podcast with your host brown and kevin today's episode we're going to be re- rebooting redoing remaking an episode that we did uh this is like a couple of years ago i think and it turned out to be a bigger hit than we anticipated <laughs> this was actually this is one of our first i think first 10 oh we did podcasts yeah wow. and this was back when it was living the dream oh re- oh okay wow yeah. Yeah, so yeah. For those of you who don't know, it's been a while. <laughs> uh, this fir- this podcast first began called uh, "Live in the Dream," and it was then rebranded as "Typical Human Behavior." Um, more on that at, at later. You know that that's not what we're here to talk about. We talked about it before, and we're not opposed to talking about it. But this is not the topic of today's hand. Today's topic is the midlife crisis because that is a yeah. Uh, as Kevin was saying apparently one of our first episodes when we when we started this podcast and uh i think uh you were showing me the numbers it has like fucking 10 times more views than or listens than our other episodes yeah it it is the one that throws off the averages or throws (laughs) off the average numbers of listens and stuff that we that we get yeah this is the this is the one you got to throw out of the sample size to (laughs) because uh yeah it's crazy i mean it, it, it is a topic that I think interested us because back then, you know, and even, even more, I mean, even now still a lot of discussions centered around not what it is, not what a midlife crisis is and things like that, but more so why it is and why it is a phenomenon that humanity, civil humans in civilized society tend to experience. And yeah, a lot of that discussion focused around what we've called the path with capital p (laughs) you Mm. know that whole go to college get a good job have a family white picket fence all that kind of job or all that kind of stuff that path is more so than any other one as far as i can tell the path that's associated with a midlife crisis so that's what how a lot of the original discussions uh, came about and went about but i have a juicy pun for that it's because the path of least resistance the path of least resistance, baby. Yeah, amen to that. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's I, there, there's a lot to that, and so we 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 got we got into that aspect of it. I think the first term around, but yeah, now that was I mean that was a couple of years ago. Now I'm not even yeah. sure how long ago, but anyhow, we, I think even though a lot has changed <laughs> in the in the couple of years since, I I, I am fascinated or am curious to see how the midlife crisis as it was traditionally defined and played out if that at all changes because of where things are going or where things are at now so for example 2020 will has and will have an untold effect on many many aspects of life and maybe tangentially the midlife crisis will be will be one of them 
for wherever you are, wherever you are, were in your life in 2020, you might make an argument that this whole fucking year was like some sort of crisis for, for most people or for a lot of people, maybe not a midlife one per se in the traditional sense that you think about it, but it was a coming out of the other side of things. In my opinion, there's like been this mental reset Mm. of sorts going on. And I might venture to say that people who normally have a traditional midlife crisis never have that opportunity to hit reset on their path to the midlife crisis. They're basically Mm -hmm. in cruise control for 10, 15, 20 years, however long before that time hits. And then they're like, oh shit, now I need to reset. And boom, midlife crisis. So again, not a traditional reset per se, but 2020 just exposed and brought about so many different fucked up things Mm -hmm. to where it might just be this medical metaphorical fork in the road looking back for people and um, perhaps a lot of what might have led them down the original path of least resistance to a midlife crisis may no longer be applicable right yeah yeah it's a good point because I didn't I didn't think about it that way with the with the 2020 lockdowns and stuff a lot of careers ended that typically maybe would have lasted years longer or maybe even decades um but the way we work too that's a big one in my in that's my true yeah the whole remote thing and and we talked about that can, uh can you do me a favor and pass me my my ipad please it's iPad. it's, it's down there oh, here, 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 yeah here. it's charging and i forgot to bring it i just like to have visual stimuli when i yes <laughs> when i think stimuli Thank overload <laughs> um yeah because uh we were talking about how remote working before a lot of people were if you brought up the the topic of remote work or working remotely, they'd be like, uh, well, it's not really for me, you know, I just, I just work better at the office, I'm less distracted, or whatever. And those are fair points, you know, some people just have a chaotic household, maybe they have multiple kids, and they don't have a home office, so yeah, those people are probably better off at the office. But, uh, in, in the current, uh, climate, a lot of people didn't have a choice, and, I know that before before the lockdowns, before 2020, because I had I had a lot of conversations with people about working remotely because I, for years I tried to get it for myself, and I eventually got it, but it was obviously super easy. Now I, I could have just right, waited yeah, till 2020, yeah, yeah. <laughs> could have saved me a lot of work. But uh, <laughs> um, when uh, when I was talking to people about it back then, you could tell that they were like, well, um, they were in this mindset that if they if they were to work remotely, they would like almost on purpose be less productive to be like, you see, I'm better off at the office. It's not for everybody. But during these 2020 lockdowns, you had to work from home and you you had to you bring the same output. You couldn't you, you couldn't half ass it because you didn't have the option to go to the office. So a lot of people had to figure it out, which is what you do with anything. You just figure it out how to be efficient at home, even with the screaming kids in the background but it's possible. And yeah, I think that doing it that way certainly put us on the fast track for sure in this in this other direction that would have taken us fuck man, for all we know like generations to get there. Like a lot of people hate change and getting something getting an entire nation, just nation alone or or even state 
to, for the most part, work remotely when they didn't before, it really could only come from something like this. Right. Yeah. That would that would never have been like an experimental, spon- state sponsored or government sponsored. You know, federal yeah, go- you government sponsored. Yeah. get everybody ex- to agree that that's right. the right way to go. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So who knows? So hopefully, my hope again is that it did sort of veer us veer us into a different path at least than than the traditional, as you said, path of least resistance type of thing. But even 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 without that. I think the, I think the idea of a midlife crisis. What's the traditional what, idea of the midlife crisis? First of all, in your mind, like. Well, so, I have a stereotypical vision for sure, right. and I'll give you that one first. That? It is the image of a corporate business America type professional who, you know, mid forties maybe. Um, maybe not a light switch type of a moment, but comes to a pretty sudden, quick realization that their mortality is is faster. Not their mortality, but that death is fast approaching. Basically, they're they're definitely past their prime, past their youth, noticing the aging coming on quickly, which manifests itself in a lot of different simultaneous thoughts or realizations in that they might say to themselves, I've been working my ass off for 20 years or whatever it is for a corporation or for a company that generally doesn't give a shit about me. I'm, you know, they, I'm easily replaceable, that kind of thing. Working my ass off for someone, for something that I'm not passionate about. Um, I'm looking now at my close intimate relationships and realizing that perhaps they're starting to fall apart because I got complacent and, now things with either, you know, my kids or my spouse aren't as great as they could be kind of a thing. And a couple of other just um, realizations around this idea that we're closer to the end than the beginning of our lives. And that, uh, again, stereotypically results in perhaps a career change, a sudden career change, or perhaps a sudden and uncharacteristic outburst of uh, actions, you know, Divorce and marrying the hot younger one, buying cool new big boy toys, you know, the sports cars yeah. and the motorcycles or the whatever. So there's that stereotypical view, but then I think more under the surface, it it manifests itself with several different like mental health issues. <laughs> not issues. Yeah. That's maybe not the right word, but. Uh, symptoms how about that <laughs> so there's there's a there's a i think a lot of anxiety about the status of your life and right, yeah. and, and people get that that is almost a slippery slope to mild forms of depression perhaps withdrawal and just like not not being yourself you know you might exhibit some behavioral or emotional changes as well during this time so I, those two aspects together, does that answer the question, basically? Yeah, I mean, and that is a pretty good uh, summation. Uh, I just kind of Googled. What I like to do is for topics like this, like like or keywords, like midlife crisis, a lot of times I'll Google that and I'll just go to the images and you get like the stereotypical view of it. Yep. You know, the way that Google sees things via images is really like the way society sees things stereotypically. 
Like if you Google, I mean, that's why you find offensive shit on, online all the time. But if you just Google <clears throat> midlife crisis and go to the images, the first image is, is first of all, uh, I didn't notice it until I saw the images, but it's typically attributed, I think, to, to a white dude. I've never seen like a black dude have a midlife crisis. Although Tyler Perry de- uh, did an Instagram post of what he called his midlife crisis, but I'm like, I think he's doing fine. Uh, I mean, he's single now. He's, he's he looks great. He's working out. Yeah. Um, but typically, all the images here, like they're cartoons. It's just like a white dude in a convertible, <laughs> and the other one is a picture mm. of of a, a dude uh, can't sleep at three a.m. His laundry is, you know, smelling in the corner. <laughs> um, right. So yes, yeah, so you get these uh, these really good, cool little images here. Yeah, like the the dude leaving his older wife or a younger chick. Right, yeah. right. So yeah, definitely that was a pretty good uh, description of the stereotype. And as you were kind of mentioning about uh, 2020 being the, you know, this fork in the road, I do kind of wonder now what a midlife crisis will look like uh, for people that, I don't know, uh, in the next 10, 20 years, you know, just because it, it seems that, that things are, are, are definitely so different now. And I, I can't imagine going back really to this pre-COVID world. I think it's going to just constantly be in our heads now, some kind of virus. Um, when COVID, you know, when either enough people get vaccinated or when herd immunity does its thing and we actually get past COVID, I think that even after that, there's going to be this... Uh, this anxiety over viruses that in in the next few years there's going to be another bad flu maybe not as bad as covid but pretty bad we we need you to wear your mask again for for a couple of weeks this time but i think it'll be just in our psyche i'm not sure if we, if we'll go back to this you know oh we don't know that viruses are really out there we just know about the flu i think it's going to be this new thing where people a, so, new, wait, so what you're saying is there will be a new normal a new thing to be anxious <laughs> about yes i know you hate that term but yes the reason why i hate that term <laughs> even though it, it perfectly encapsulates right yeah that's kind this, of the irony about it is because the term itself is orwellian because uh, we were talking about like i think about something like what makes a, a term orwellian or something you know what makes anything orwellian sure. and it's hard to put to words but it's it's kind of like a, a term that 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 sounds nice but you know the undertones are dark. That's kind of like the one way that I can describe what Orwellian is. And like the new normal sounds like, oh, guys, it's new. It's just normal. But you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. Um, sounds like no child left behind. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, but. Or the war on drugs. Oh, Jesus. But stuff like <laughs> that. Stuff like that. Where it, I, what, what the point is where it has a, at face value, either neutral or semi-positive feel or connotation to it, right? But then kind of, yes. you, you sort of peel back the layers and you're like, hmm, I'm not so sure about this. The Patriot Act. Right. Th- sounds, things like that. Yeah. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, Orwellian. Um, but I also think that midlife crises will start happening at a later time. Because you said, you know, mid-40s, I think that was I think about right. I think typically people think of some dude in his mid-40s having some midlife crisis buying a Harley Davidson's or something. But I think, you know, people now in their fifties, because I think everything has shifted, you know, people, I think it started with millennials 
uh, going back home to live at home with their their parents after college. They could stay as kids for a few years longer. I think things really shifted where things are just happening at a later date. People are getting married later, uh, retiring later as well. Right. And I think midlife crises were also happening later because people are living longer. So the midlife is also by by that yeah by, di- by just, that logic yeah exactly yeah. just at a later date but i don't know like I, i'm trying to think of why as we were talking about in the previous episode that we did why somebody would have a midlife crisis I and mean, that's kind of like the the 64 million dollar question or whatever the the amount is the appropriate amount is these days right now if y- if you happen to be in the category of the stereotypical like person going down the path of least resistance, for example, I don't think it's fair maybe to say or suggest that the right thing to do, quote unquote, to avoid a midlife crisis or to avoid any of the other consequences of, of the of that choice, is that you need to just do a complete one eighty and just like abandon ship completely and move on to something else outside of that path. I don't think that's the point or the the answer it's there's not this dichotomy it's not like if you're 100 percent on the path you're guaranteed to have a midlife crisis that's not necessarily true and it's also not true that if you are on the complete other end of that spectrum where maybe you're you've been an entrepreneur forever or you are doing quote unquote what you love what your passion is for 20 25 years that you're not also susceptible to a midlife crisis that's also not true i think yes because as you were describing the stereotypical midlife crisis um, because we were discussing the stereotypes we should now discuss more like the undertones of it because I think that a midlife crisis whether it is to the extent where you leave your wife or somebody younger or buy a car those are the stereotypical uh, lashing outs the results yeah right basically but a lot of people have silent midlife crises. They'll just, you know, have like little panic attacks in the bathroom. Like, ah, you know, sure. You, yeah, you, yeah. you just have to know that a lot of people, um, there's like a quote about people living in constant quiet desperation or something. I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's some famous writer that that, but Pink Floyd put it in one of their songs too. And that's, uh, I think a pretty good description of how a lot of people live their lives in this, this, uh, quiet desperation. Cause they probably want to like run out and scream and do something, but they know that that would be inappropriate. So they, they just, you know, put a lid on it, which is obviously super unhealthy. And I, <laughs> right. So I think sure. that in general, a midlife crisis comes from a, a lack of awareness that, that persists for a long time until one day you kind of snap out of it for a few seconds, a few minutes, and you take a good look at the last few years. You're like, is that really all I've done? Or like, yeah. Or whatever your reaction might be, I think that that is what a midlife crisis is. When you when you go on autopilot for years, decades, you know, eight to five, uh, get my lunch, my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, bologna on Tuesday, so. Um, you get in these routines, uh, and then at some point, yeah, for some reason in your 40s, maybe, I, I don't know why that's that was typically the, a certain age like the midlife or whatever but at some point you you wake up maybe like you just wake up and you have this moment of of clarity or you're in the shower and it just hits you because you have it's during these activities typically where your your mind is kind of in this 
in this kind of introspective mode when you're kind of just waking up, just going to bed, when you're like going for a run, things like that. And it hits you. You're like, holy shit, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of running here on earth. We're kind of spinning in a rock. And you get these weird little thoughts and then you begin to analyze your own life in this weird new way. And it hits you. Fuck, man. All I've done is the same thing that my neighbor's done. What and set, I hate that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's a pin in my fucking ass. It's like, what sets me apart from the guy next door? And you have these kind of, these moments where you ask yourself these questions that really you should have been asking yourself the entire time, but you don't up until you snap out of it when you're 44 years old. And by that point, you're tired. You have aches when you wake up maybe, and you're like, fuck, well, I can't do that now. And then you, you kind of go into a panic mode. And maybe you buy a car because you're like, oh, I'm still cool. I can buy, I can, look, guys, I have a Corvette. But I think it's from that. I, I don't think it's necessarily, like you were saying, being on the path. Because not everybody, I guess, is has a quote-unquote midlife crisis. But I think it is more of like a general lack of awareness that persists for way too long. So I feel like there's a, I feel like there's a yin and the yang to this going hand in hand almost Yes, I think that makes a lot of sense. It is a sort of a long-term general mental dullness or lack of awareness that's going on. It also seems like it is a very sudden onset of a hyper-awareness of something like the ego, mm. where that that thing or the idea of, of your ego just sort of kicks into, kicks into overdrive. Right, interesting. And and your all those thoughts, like you like you were just saying, and all those thoughts about how fragile I am and my mortality, and like, oh, what are people going to think of me now with, um, with what I've done with my life, or what's my legacy going to be? All that type of stuff can be tied back in some way, I think, to to the ego, and it's it's sort of running, you know, going in overdrive, running amok, whatever in a very short period of time and stuff. So stuff like that, I think is also something that if we just talk, let, let's just focus, maybe focus on the the idea of the ego for, for a minute. I think stuff like that is just as much what to, uh, just as much something that people have a general lack of awareness about, like you were mentioning, not understanding how your, your mental dialogue or and not analyzing the inner dialogue with yourself over the course of the years, I think plays in part uh, to this, to this lack of awareness, not understanding how you really internalize what happens to you, not understanding your reaction to different things, just reacting and then just moving on to the next, not really analyzing the self is Perhaps just as uh, just as big of a factor into this, mm-hmm. into a midlife crisis, um, right? Because a lot of things that go into the midlife crisis is the fact that you've done for years something that you don't like to do. And you look back at that, you're like, "Fuck!" But when you when you do have that awareness, when, as you go along, you know, when you're before you're forty, whatever, uh, you. you you realize that you maybe you don't like your job. Like, well, something about this job is just, you know, I don't know, something's off about this. And if you have that awareness and that I guess, motivation, I guess, you make the change. You either 
you know, look for new, uh, uh, yeah, so <laughs> looking like, oh, at our, our yeah, recording yeah. here, <laughs> uh, you either look for a new position within the same company or you make a whole new, a new change because you are aware of yourself. You're aware that you don't like where your life is currently going. The logical thing to do is to make a change. People who lack that awareness will just, you know, yeah, go on autopilot. And even though they hate their jobs, they'll keep doing that year after year, decade after decade until they have that one moment or whatever, you know, years later. So I guess the reason why I'm familiar with what the internal conversation might be during a midlife crisis is because I like to think that I've I've done a few things to maybe not, not avoid it because I don't know if it's something that you can avoid, but maybe curve some of the effects. Um, because some of those questions like, you know, what sets me apart from my neighbor? That's something that most people probably, as far as I know, might not ask themselves too frequently, but it's something that I think about sometimes, you know, the person living next door here to me, they might probably, they probably have, they probably have a, a same paying job as I do, which is why they live in the same place that I do. Um, Outside of that, you know, what really would set me apart from this person? I, I don't know them, so I don't know. But those are the things that I think come from being aware of yourself, you know, asking yourself these kind of difficult questions because sometimes you're like, well, fuck nothing. I'm just a fucking I'm just a fucking guy here. I'm just a dude. Yeah. <laughs> just a girl. Right, right. So I wonder something like meditation it's been talked about as a tool and it's for so many, for so many different things. And for those who are either familiar with meditation, do it frequently or uh, are familiar with, I guess some of the long-term benefits and points about it. I think there's a incorrect stereotypical view of meditation in that it allows you to prevent certain thoughts from entering your brain allows you to control your thoughts in a very like overt or concrete specific way. Right. And that, and that's, that's the consensus there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that that's, that's just flat out not true. Really what it does more maybe appropriately is it allows you to recognize the thoughts more frequently that pop into your head and calmly kind of like a better term calmly dismiss them not allow yourself to perseverate on certain negative thoughts you might have it helps you maybe analyze where some of those thoughts might have come from which then allows you to like you were alluding to think about those questions for yourself more frequently without having like too much anxiety about them or without without basically having a internal midlife crisis about it right Mm mm-hmm Yes, uh, I think meditation is definitely one of the things that that people can do to curb some of those effects of a potential looming midlife crisis. Because, yeah, if I guess you subscribe to the this idea that uh, it comes from partly from a general lack of awareness, that's what meditation is a practice for for to gain awareness. Because uh, you know, n- not to go into meditation and, and all that, because I think we've also done an episode on meditation. Maybe that's a topic that we can we can touch on again in in a future episode. But 
yeah, like another stereotype is, oh, like, it's something that I still hear. I'm like, it's one of the things that, that if you Google how to meditate or anything about meditation, on at the top of the list, it's like, this is this is the, ter- the stereotype that you should not listen to or, or believe. And I still hear, hear people say, well, I just can't clear my mind, so I can't meditate. I'm like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, like by this point, I feel like everybody should know that that's not what meditation is. I feel like it's been on Google. It means about it, I think. But I guess... You know, people still just don't know. It's not free information out there. So basically, you're not trying to clear your mind. That's what I thought it was when I was a kid. When I, when I would watch, like, Bruce Lee do it, I just thought that yeah. he, his mind was just, like, you know, color white. Yeah, right. There was nothing there. <laughs> was it was like, just like, wow, he's reaching some kind of weird enlightenment moment. And I remember as a kid watching, like, a, a Bruce Lee class. I think it was an Enter the Dragon. They capture him at the bottom of a fucking well or something. And they just lock him in there. And he knows he's stuck there, so he kind of just waits for for them to come down and get him, and he just meditates while while he's waiting. It's fucking badass. Uh, and I just pictured him like, oh, his mind might just be like just white. And I remember I tried meditating later on um, with uh, thinking about that as a kid, and I'm like, okay, white, just you know, just nothing, nothing. And obviously, it never worked because that's not what meditation is. Um, it, it's just uh, practicing awareness is what meditation is. You know, being aware that you're breathing, and it sounds like foo foo and whatever. And so, maybe in a future episode, we'll actually cover some of these steps because it, it, it's just uh, you know a bit of a rabbit hole. But yeah. yes, meditation is practicing awareness, and ha- having awareness is what allows you to make these uh, some changes in your life when they're needed. Because people who aren't aware. They'll just persist with uh, mental pain and either not realize that they're in mental pain and just keep doing what they're doing or realize it, but, you know, not see any other option. So they'll just keep doing it. But it, I think it all roots from uh, the lack of awareness with me- which meditation helps with. Um, psychedelics is also something, you know, something that Sam Harris said that is that uh, meditating is like you know being on a, on a lake and opening up your your sail and letting the wind kind of take you mm-hmm. and a psychedelic trip is being on that boat and turning on the fucking turbo jet <laughs> and going down the fucking lake <laughs> right right yes so on that point maybe too i hope we i hope we never get to a point where a midlife crisis is a diagnosable like a DSM seven uh, mm. diagnosis thing, where there's certain criteria that can be met, and you can have on your medical record a diagnosis of a midlife crisis. Right? I hope we don't get to that point because I think it's that would be just wrong on on a couple different levels. But if if hypothetically something like that were to happen, or if it at least was a recognized disease or disorder that's not even the right term but then i think something like psychedelics might actually be what you prescribe a lot of people for it right sure (laughs) if there was going to be something that you would you know medically that you would you would give to a person and on one hand that might sound also like a very stereotypical thing like oh guys having a midlife crisis now he's 
doing a bunch of risky behavior, taking a bunch of drugs and doing all kinds of shit. You, know? you can just see the fucking commercial now. Are you <laughs> suffering from depression? Do you feel like buying a Corvette all of a sudden? Talk to your doctor about magic mushrooms. Right. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. You're right. You're right like that. But, but also really pragmatically, there are a lot of reasons, a lot of benefits as to why that might be the case or why you might prescribe somebody some sort of psychedelic trip. And a lot of it ties back to the ego as well. That's been one of the, aside from some of the real legit medical reasons that are, that are coming out for different psychedelics, you know, smoking cessation, anxiety, depression, end of life, uh, anxiety for, for terminal patients, you know, easing their fears and anxieties about death, that kind of stuff. There is, there is also a pretty common and really at this point, I suppose anecdotal or not even sure how this will ever be able to be quantified, but a common theme emerges from a lot of reported effects of psychedelics is that there was this disillusion of the ego. They literally went outside themselves and saw them, uh, saw themselves from a third person and totally disassociated from the idea of the self. And uh, little, I mean, these little intense moments during these trips like that, when people come to and, and are reflecting upon that stuff, it's, it's, it's almost across the board reflected as a positive experience. Mm-hmm. Where now on the other side, their anxieties and depressions about whatever was the, the matter or whatever they were persevering on beforehand is, is basically gone. And that seems... To me, at least, a if you especially if you do it under the a, a guided trip, basically, a professional watching you or making sure that things go right, basically, that seems like a more way more feasible and solution based, or I mean, um, results based solution to whatever midlife crisis would be for a person, as opposed to the the lashing out, the the risk taking behaviors. Like, there's no really cure for a midlife crisis. The guy who divorces his wife and does all the stereotypical stuff, the sports car, the quitting the job, whatever. I I don't, you don't generally hear that as being like the solution. Those are more good now. He has a Corvette. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Those are more of like, Oh, he had one. He did all this shit. Now, now he's really like, okay, turn the page next day. Like nothing's changed with that guy. Really? I mean, he just had a, these weird outbursts and now, Not much has changed with his life, so nothing really, nothing really, of benefit happened. Whereas something like psychedelics could be one of the one of the strange enough things that that help people with this type of stuff, right? And that and that obviously doesn't have to be something that you take only when you're having this crisis. I mean, this is one of those things where if along the way you maybe have a have a trip or two we were able to call out and disassociate from your ego or whatever then might be also a preventative measure mm-hmm. as opposed to a curative yeah i would say even some psychoactive substances too might uh, give people a better window of things like like cannabis um because when i think about you know how cannabis is becoming more and more more legal by the year like you know every year it seems you hear of a new state or a new area decriminalizing or 
legalizing cannabis. Um, while at the same time, I, I hear more and more, uh, you know, like soccer moms who are trying out gummies and, uh, you know, these corporate guys getting their cards and stuff. And what you hear a lot of people talk about is this paranoia that they get. Like when they either when they smoke too much or or when they I don't even know when they smoke period. Like I, I just do my gummies. I, I can't yeah. do a joint, you know. Um, I think that that paranoia because that's I've, I've heard that so many times that I'm like, OK, what the fuck is that? Why are you people all so paranoid about this, this stuff Like when you smoke it? Because they're fine taking the gummies for some reason, even though I think that that's way more risky for sure um because if you forget that you took a gummy and then you take another one you can go on a pretty serious fucking trip if you're not if you're not used to the dose uh it's hard to do that when you're smoking it but i thought about that i'm like why these people who report paranoia that there's a pattern to it it was these you know like i said kind of like soccer mom type people so I wasn't trying to be, you know, condescending or anything. It is kind of like the demographic where I hear this being reported the most. Why do I know so many soccer moms? Because don't ask too many questions, okay? <laughs> <laughs> for me to know, for you to never find out. No, it's I do yoga, and when you do yoga, you just meet a lot of middle-aged soccer mom women. It's it's a thing. Um. So, as I was thinking about that, I'm like the paranoia that that you feel. I think because anybody who has smoked weed probably is familiar with that. Uh, at least either when you started smoking or, or yeah, maybe when you smoke a little too much. I don't know. But, and I've heard Joe Rogan talk about this when he talks about cannabis, that that paranoia is what, you know, the it's almost like the benefit of weed. It's almost like why you smoke it to get that. Because what's happening is probably you're getting that different perspective of not just yourself, but of reality that you typically don't get when you're sober. That's why people smoke weed to get that effect. And some people, for one reason or another, don't like what they see or it makes them uncomfortable or, or something. And to them, it feels paranoia. And maybe they're doomed to always feel that way when they smoke. I don't know. But it seems like it could be a thing that they, if they were to just kind of face instead of run away from they might actually get over that paranoia and then realize oh that was just me not being used to looking at myself in that way okay you know but it's hard to come to these conclusions if you if you avoid it all the time yes it is yeah and so if you avoid those confrontations for 10 15 20 years you know and the next thing you know you're 40 whatever at a midlife crisis that is metaphorically like one of the worst paranoia trips that you can have or that you will have you're so uber hyper focused on all these negative aspects of either your life or how you're feeling about certain things in your life and you you do have this weird you do have this seemingly unsettling sense of paranoia as well you know what am I going to do with myself or what are people going to think of me? And all these, all these paranoia type themes that might, that might trickle in. Because it's almost like a cliche. you like these stoner ideas, these stoner thoughts that you, that you, you see memes about. It's like, guys, 
What if the room is covered with chameleons and we just don't know because they blend in perfectly? <laughs> right. <laughs> that was sure. one of the best ones that I, I saw recently. <laughs> but it's stuff like that that it's obviously when you when you when you hear it, it's it's so funny because it's silly. But it's I mean, you don't think about things in that way when you're sober. But in some ways, as silly as it is, it might kind of be true. What if there was a number of chame- chameleons in here? And we just don't see them because that's their job. They blend in perfectly. But or like um, in movies, you might see like in like stoner films, like, oh, guys, dude, we're just on a rock, man. We're just spinning around in space. You know, that, that stoner character. It's because what I was just talking about when you when you smoke and maybe if you're not used to it, you go on like this extra long trip or extra heavy trip and you, you get these ideas like that, that you you typically know. I mean, everybody knows, I guess, that we're on a planet spinning around in space. But when you get that different perspective, like that real perspective, you're like, holy fuck, dude. How do, wait, wait. How are we not falling off? Oh, okay. Gravity. Okay. Wait. What is gravity, though? Those are things that are accessible to you at any moment. But for some reason, you just don't think about things that way until you're tripping out or whatever. So what about this? I, uh, what about this concept of it's better late than never? So with the midlife crisis, if you do come to these realizations at this time, I think generally the term itself is, has negative connotations. Like no one wants to have a midlife crisis, right? And it's not necessarily one that we've so far at least talked about as being a positive thing, right? But what, I mean, Let's not focus on the symptoms and what it might look like for an individual, you know, all the stereotypical shit, but is the idea of a midlife crisis even bad in a sense, or, or is it only bad? Let me, let, me, let, me, let me ask it that way. Is it only bad? So if, isn't it better late than never that someone comes to this point in their life where they're like, okay, a lot of what I've done or that I've been through is not what I wanted to do or not what I want to do now. So I'm going to make some changes. Like, is that is that basic general concept a bad thing if people come to that realization? No. No, right? But... I got one right. Yeah. <laughs> a for a. <laughs> Gold star. Um, so I think people are afraid of having a midlife crisis, but I think as long as that manifests itself in more healthy outcomes than, than you had or healthy results than you did before or healthy behaviors, or whatever, it shouldn't always be viewed or even just discussed. Like we are kind of in this negative mind frame. <clears throat> um, so there should be less stigma on it. It's kind of one of the points I'm getting to, but I would say that, that there's nothing wrong with, what you were what just saying, like having that midlife crisis and realizing that you need to make changes. But, you know, the the stereotype of like everything in moderation, which yeah. I question. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like some things are okay when you can go overboard, but maybe they're rare, but I feel like not everything might not be. <laughs> just uh, okay. just right. fucking with you guys. But everything, mo- mostly everything in moderation, let's put it that way. Um, but even that, so the reason why it's seen as a bad thing is because all of it happens at once. Maybe uh, you have that realization like, holy fuck, the last 15 years, blah, 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 uh, I got to leave my wife, I got to buy a car, I got to get, get, 
all these things happening at once, it kind of is bad because you're kind of taking your what you built the last few years or decades and just, you know, shaking it up and it might end up hurting people like your wife, your spouse, uh, kids or anybody around you. But if you space that out, like if you become aware at a younger age, like if if you're able to and you get that Corvette when you're 34 instead of when you're 46, it'll be less of like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, oh, yeah, Corvette, cool, cool, man. Or, you know, if you, if for some reason you realize that you're not happy with your marriage and you divorce at 36, 37, you still, I mean, you're still young. It's not, you know, you're not 49 and you're like, fuck, man, can I still date? I should go on, you know, that version of over50.com and, you know, dating over 50. Right. Um, so if you, instead of, you know, exploding and doing all those things at once, having that panic attack, if you spe- if you have many panic attacks, like, holy fuck, dude, you know, like, I don't like the way people think of me and, like, and like you know, I have that shitty car and, like, I'm going to make some changes, man. And, you know, yeah, it sounds maybe materialistic, but, you know, fuck it, it. Some people, that might be their thing. And, yeah, you get that nicer car when you're younger. That's the thing is that you become aware of what you don't like about your either your, your current life or how people perceive you, I guess, how you perceive people perceiving you. You make those changes uh, occasionally as opposed to all at once later on in life. That's when, you know, things become more toxic. But when you space them out over years... That's how you manage your life, basically. It's good life management. It, it, it would be good life management, I suppose so, yeah. So what about this? Okay, let me let me discuss it from this angle for a second. Different, Somewhat different perspective where a midlife crisis can be 100% negative. If, for example, you come to the realization that your, your job, your relationships are not what you want or wanted it to be. So you're like, I fuck it, throwing everything overboard, starting brand new. D- you ditch the spouse, you, you ditch the job or you change jobs or you, you know, ditch the old car, get the brand new one. Particularly with the job, the career and the, you know, spouse relationship aspect of it. When someone's going through that, that over hyper realization of the ego, there's not a lot of time for, uh, critical thinking or analyzing some of these things to the depth that they need to. In other words, what if a person's dissatisfaction with their career and or with their relationship is in large part due to their own doing? For example, with the relationship, I mean, you, someone gets into someone gets into a long-term or, or married relationship, those things... Any any long term relationship is not something that once you sort of reach, you know, mutual happiness or whatever, you don't just stay there. It's not like you 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 make it through the golden gates and you're there forever. That is that is there, there's waxing and waning with that. There is almost constant work that has to go into any relationship for, to work long term, right? So if the realization passes you that well, I'm unhappy with my career with my job because I didn't. Looking back, I didn't I didn't do as much as I could to keep the relationship going or keep my career going in the direction I wanted to. I just lay, I just rolled over and did everything that my boss said, and I never um, advocated for X, Y, and Z, which would have made me happier along the way. And same thing with the relationship. If those things are at all true, 
and you still have a midlife crisis and do all the changes, you're going to be likely just as miserable on the other end of things because that core behavior or the realization that you were, like, like I was saying, I, I think I just said this right before we started or maybe right at the beginning where the reason why you're in said position to have a crisis, quote unquote, is that you're the culprit. It's not, it's not anyone else's fault that you maybe hate your job or don't like your relationship anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so then what? So I guess in a, in a throwback to the, the living the dream topics, which we still touch on occasionally, um, you mentioned this uh, concept earlier of the path. We come to describe as the path, which is the general, if you were saying college, nice career, corporate career, spouse, couple kids, white picket fence, or I don't see too many of those these days. So white picket fences, I see, you know. Yeah, that 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 is probably the only thing that is dying in that Yeah, You have the gravel front yard, let's put it that way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, the reason why also it's it's difficult for people to to pick out that they're unhappy because because you would think you know how, how how the fuck do people miss that like, you feel like shit you're like okay why oh your job okay get a new job not it's not that simple but in some ways realizing is that simple uh the reason why it's difficult for people to make those kinds of realizations is because they fall into this trap where, like for example, if you're a person that went to college, you got a nice degree for you know that's going to set you up for a high-paying job. You get that job, come you know you you years later you have a nice family, a nice house, you you have everything. You check all the boxes. You're supposed to be happy. You did everything that you were supposed to do. You went to school. You got the job. And, and and the whole list. As I've said before, based on, you know, most uh, explicitly on my experience at that Wim Hof breathing class, a lot of the people who were there to try out something new in their lives were doing so because they were just unhappy or uns- dissatisfied with what they had. And they made a point to say, I have everything that I'm supposed to have the house, the career, the family, the car, but it's just not doing it. So I think that's why it's so difficult difficult for people to, to make the realizations because they're supposed to be happy with what they have. And when they're not happy, they, they don't think, well, it's because of you know the choices that I made. Because in their minds and in society's minds, the choices they made, college, family, career, those are the right choices. So why would somebody be unhappy or unfulfilled when they're when they keep making the right choices? It's fucking you know they're in the zone. Fucking nothing but net. Nothing but net. Right. Yes, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, there there is no point where it becomes clear to somebody that that path is anything other than what you're supposed to be doing. It's just second nature almost. And that realization that we've been talking about. I think is a realization that you're not really on the right path. You're just on the path that you were told to get on because it was the path of least resistance. When you do all that, when you go to college and you get everything that's nice, nobody makes fun of you for that. Nobody looks at you wrong because, oh, you're doing everything. Oh, he's a doctor. He's an engineer. He, he did everything right. He studied hard. Yeah. You really just fucking party for four years. 
but um yeah like that's why it's so hard i think for, for people to realize that in that moment is that realization you're like maybe this whole thing that i've that i've kind of bought into this whole shebang this whole leave it to beaver lifestyle maybe it's not what i was supposed to and that is very scary because that's you know at that point 20 plus years of hard work that went to that lifestyle what what do you do at that point you gotta like probably restart and that's scary too and that's why you get these as we're talking music lashing out because what else you gonna do ah fuck i have i have money now i'm gonna get a camaro That'll do it. So, okay. So, the 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 idea of it's better late than never, kind of a thing. I mean, the, the way you kind of just went through that, to to me, it doesn't necessarily sound like this realization is a bad thing per se. And again, how the lashing out and all that type of stuff might be, but just the realization in and of itself that things aren't what you thought or what you want them to be is not a bad thing for a person if they can figure out a way to readjust again in, in, in healthy ways um, and not do all this lashing out or, or ruin relationships and that type of thing. Right. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty interested in seeing how our, like our core cohort of people, you know, age, age, like, 28 to like 35 kind of frame or age group right now how we collectively approach this point in our life in the next decade or two of of a midlife crisis i i don't know you know again having lived through 2020 in sort of a very very particular time in 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 your career and stuff like that that age group this this these millennials basically if you want to maybe older i think it's gen z um generation i think it'll 100 percent look different than our parents midlife crisis you know i i do think the classic tr- stereotypical we'll get a tesla instead of a yeah, corvette may, maybe there will be a few changes <laughs> like that but yeah our, our parents midlife crisis may not be our or this generation's right. midlife crisis and that's not good or bad per se but i i think or i hope that with the what seems to be a greater realization or trend towards understanding how um, personal fulfillment matters just as much if not more than quote unquote making it down the path of least resistance matters just as much or more that will lend to fewer lashing lashings out I mean, if that's i don't even know if that's the correct term but our generation will hopefully not react in the same negative manner as our parents did or flip side two sides of every coin it could be way fucking worse because the the whole added wrinkle of like technology and social media god knows how that's going to play into something like a, right. a midlife crisis also too i think uh as we said earlier, the stereotype typically is a dude having a midlife crisis. But as more over the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years maybe, maybe less, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't kept track of this. But more and more women 
have entered that corporate workforce because more and more women have been going to college uh, and getting those those same degrees now. You know, more women are becoming engineers, uh, scientists, and things of that nature. Uh, or lawyers, I guess, to maybe scientists isn't the best example because a lot of people go into that because they're actually passionate about science. Um, when it comes to like, I don't know, like being an accountant, who knows? <laughs> I feel like it's such, such a... We've, picked, gamble. On, we've picked on accountants in another episode. <laughs> it's just, I mean, that's I the American bad, stereotype. But, I know, I feel bad, um, but, you know, whatever, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I think uh, more women now, because I don't think that it's just men that aren't cut out for this kind of lifestyle. I think it's just people in general. And as more women begin to get those same, uh, I guess you can call them perks, you know, being their own head of household, I mean, they're... There are, I feel like, more guys now that are stay-at-home dads than ever before, I feel. Uh, I feel like you're close to being a stay-at-home dad yourself. Would you want that? I have I have tossed this idea around in my head a couple of times, actually, in the past. And I, I really liked the idea before my son was born. I'm like, yeah, stay-at-home dad sounds great. A kid or two, <laughs> I'll just stay home and do the, do the stuff with them and, you know, do what I got to do. Having having one child now, that perspective has shifted a little bit. Um, I, I have a more, I have a closer understanding of really what that means <laughs> or looks like, and and it's certainly not as glorious as I as I had made it out to be, right? Mm-hmm. So, I I am still open to the idea one hundred percent, but I think a few there would definitely be a few things that would have to line up otherwise, uh, for for me and for us to to be comfortable fully with that. Right. Yeah, because I think a lot of women, the reason why there's been such a push in recent uh, years and last generation or so of women getting that education and getting those also those high paying jobs that that some men have um, was because a lot of women felt unfulfilled being stay at home moms uh, or they saw their own moms doing it. And they're like, well, that kind of sucked. Uh, and maybe they just didn't want that for themselves. But I think as they go into those other type of lifestyles that traditionally men had in previous decades, they're also going to, I mean, some will, I'm sure, like some men, I'm sure they love that lifestyle. I mean, and there are, I, I have to believe that there are people who do thrive in that kind of environment, that corporate, uh, nice paycheck type oh, yeah, of thing. Yeah, of course there are. Yeah, no doubt. So some women will for sure love and, and fit right into that, that kind of thing. But other women just like some men will begin to realize that that is just not at all what they thought it was going to be. Like that. Yeah. You, you can get the nice things, the perks, but at the end of the day, you go home, you're in the bathroom, you look in the mirror and you're like, there's something fucking not right. There's something that's missing. You can't hide from that. The shadow always finds you. That was creepy. It does. Yeah. <laughs> A bit, but, 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 but I think you're, I think you're right. It catches up to you. Eventually, you can only sort of hide from it for so long. Right? There's a book on Amazon called How to Survive Your Wife's Midlife Crisis, Strategies and Stories from the Midlife Cl- Club. Ooh, the Midlife Club. For 1879. Fascinating. Interesting. I'm going to venture a guess that on a personal level, you have next to zero concern and to be fair, I think a lot of people our age would probably answer the same regardless of whatever position you're in. But you, I would again say that you have very little concern that something 
like a stereotypical midlife crisis is going to happen to you, <laughs> right? Yes, but only because I've had little crises before, like in college. Okay. I remember uh, I remember this specifically, actually, very, very vividly. It was right after an exam that I for sure fucking bombed. And it's not uncommon when you're in college to completely fucking bomb exams. And you're just like, fuck it. Party this weekend and get over it. Um, but I remember this one time, because my roommate and I, we both knew that we just we bombed the shit out of this one exam. It was like, I don't even know what it was. It was like dynamics or something. Something that you typically just fucking fail. Uh, and we were walking home, and we're, and we're just like, just depressed, because we're like, fuck, man, like, we studied, we studied for the exam, too, and we, we got out, and we're like, I'm pretty sure I got, like, a fucking F, and I think on our way home, we, like, picked up booze, and just got fucked up, but I remember that evening, I was just thinking, I'm like, what am I doing here, I'm like, do I even enjoy this program, this, this set of classes that I'm taking, I'm like, it's fucking stressing me out, like, I, I party in the weekends because I'm so fucking stressed of the projects and homework and shit. I was doing, like, everybody was doing because, you know, uh, a couple of our mutual friends were also engineering majors. And so we all did the homeworks together. It took fucking hours. Like, hours and hours every week. And, and at that point, I remember thinking, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I'm not even getting that good grades. I'm not even doing that well here. And I just had this moment where I'm like, what if I just like dropped out? Like, what if I just didn't show up to class anymore and just fucking did something else? That didn't, I mean, I ended up graduating, but um, I remember having moments like that before where, yeah, I kind of just like took a look at what I was doing. I'm like, I don't know about this. And looking back, I was kind of right to think that way because I'm not sure that going to college truly is for everybody. It's the same as, is, is being a lawyer good for everybody? No. Is being whatever good for everybody? No. Like college, first of all, if, if, if it gets paid for, for the most part, by somebody else, sure. If you're paying it for yourself these days, it's probably not, not, <laughs> not worth it that much. But um, that's why I, I was saying earlier why I guess I'm kind of familiar with if you kind of space these little mini panic attacks out you can kind of curve the effects because I don't think about that too often, but thinking back now, that was kind of like a, a pivotal moment because even though I didn't drop out of school or anything, it definitely got me thinking. From then on, I was like, I, I hate to say it, but I, from then on, I, I started taking school a little less seriously. Sure. I mean, I still put in the work enough to graduate and things, but I'm like, okay, something's up here, but it's because of the whole loans thing and stuff, I'm like, I can't just fucking drop out and then add another year or two or whatever of of fees and things like that. So even though as I was graduating, I'm like, I don't know about this, but I'm like, at least it'll get me a nice paycheck. But I, I was aware of that. I think a lot of people that graduated with us uh, didn't think of it that way, and they probably still don't until they're later on, they're fucking 47, 48 or whatever. Or even if they, even if they maybe did have a similar realization that you did with that class or that test that they failed or whatever the situation is, what you do with those thoughts matters just as much as actually having them or actually mm. coming to those realizations, right? Because sure, you, yeah. you could you could have had that thought and then just totally blew it off, you know, 
had the thought it passed and then you take a shot yeah you never thought about it again after that you know right and it is very difficult to sort of perseverate on those things because it is probably in, in the case that you described and for almost everyone else it's almost a very sobering thought experiment to go through you know so it's not a it's not a peachy rosy cozy feeling to think about those things mm-hmm. but to your point it it is long term quite beneficial to massage your, your your those those mental muscles into analyzing those things as they come up as opposed to just dismissing them cuz cuz if not then the potential is there for it to bubble up and sort of rear its ugly head in a more severe way later in life a la a, a midlife crisis where you can't do anything to to then suppress them. There's no party the next week, and we can just get fucked up and forget about it all, and then move on. Mm-hmm. Your your those those yeah those realizations come on too strong, too fast for you to sort of dull them and drown them out. Right, and the reason why I was saying earlier that when you do all the, all the right things, quote unquote, the right things, college, the job, and everything, nobody makes fun of you for that. That for the general part, for the general most of the time is true. And the reason also why I know that is because like in my previous job. That's when I really became aware of a lot of other things about, um, how to, I don't know how else to phrase it, but like life really not being what I was what thought it was going to be after college. You get that job and you're like, this is fucking it, this eight to five thing. And and so in, in that last job is when I, I was beginning to, to become aware of those things. And when I began talking about those things to a couple of people that I worked with, even though they kind of agreed they kind of like, oh yeah, that makes sense, or whatever. I could tell that they just that 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 was not in their in their radar. Like, thoughts like that, questions like that, like why do we work eight to five? First of all, questions like that were not really on their radar. And thinking back now, I'm like, okay, those people. I I, even, I mean, from the conversations I had, I'm like, I feel like these some of these people are like in the middle of some kind of midlife crisis. Because they were just always anxious and they were just having like issues at home and not everybody, but like uh, enough to where you, th- you thought it was significant or there was like a data point. There was a certain pattern. Use. There was yeah. a certain pattern that, that was present. Yes. Uh, like they, they didn't question the same things that I questioned and they were like well on their way to retirement, but you could tell that they were like barely making it like, oh, like a fucking Monday mornings, you know, like they were just like miserable. And you're like, and you just like look at that. Like that's not that just doesn't seem natural. Like you're barely making it to retirement. Oh man, I can't wait until I'm 68 years old to cash in that. Like that's just like, <laughs> right? I don't know. There's something about that just is off to me. It just doesn't seem natural at all. Doesn't seem healthy. And it's things like that that people are forced into that lifestyle that where you strive for that something that isn't healthy. That retirement at the end, that little pink thing that they dangle in front of you to make you run faster. It's not a healthy thing, and that's why people are having this these midlife crises. And I would I would kind of venture a guess that the midlife crisis is just what we call it, but it's a set of symptoms of something deeper than that. It just happens to happen around midlife, which is why we call it that. But I think that those symptoms of having that rush of self awareness is go something deeper than oh you're just in a rat race and you didn't realize it. Something deeper than that, but we just call it the midlife crisis, right? And and perhaps I mean perhaps it, it it sort of is as natural to us to humans as 
you know, as, as breathing or a beating heart kind of a thing. Perhaps there is a theme more so that's just, like you said, goes deeper than just the tie to either midlife or to these modern society things of a career and a, you know, long-term committed relationship or whatever. Maybe, maybe it does have roots in like evolution to an extent. Um, not quite sure what that means. I'm kind of spitballing here at the moment, but if you, you look at the stats and apparent, and it'll tell you anywhere you look, the, the kind of most cited figure that I've seen is that 25% of people have what could be described as a midlife crisis. One in four is a little higher, in my opinion, than, or let me rephrase, 25% is higher than I'm willing to discount something as not being natural or something as not just being a symptom of society, basically. I think it speaks to natural tendencies or um, traits that, that we have as humans. The the tie that it has to the ego and maybe this um, realization of our own mortality uh, is probably at the at the heart or at the root of it because think back you know fifteen hundred plus years ago you know the world is just a completely different place modern society as we know it doesn't really exist life is generally different right. We tend to we tend to think that the midlife crisis is really only a modern phenomenon. I think the term was only coined in like the '60s, you know. So it it it, it is relatively new, uh, historically or evolutionarily, if you if you believe the hype. But but I I, I don't. I, I don't, that's likely not the case. Um, and to your I mean, to what you were saying. realization of anything of something that is negative in your life is not a is not just the result of modern civilization people have been coming to realizations forever i mean i don't know how else to say it, forever right uh, about themselves about how their environments and society whatever that looks like at any point in time works and all that kind of all that kind of stuff i think the symptoms have just changed 1500 years 10,000 years ago you you don't there, there there wasn't such thing as a career likely or or marriage in some parts of the world where you could these symptoms that we know now existed but that's not to say that the phenomenon itself the intern the the mental realization and breakdown of a midlife crisis as we're describing it here happened um, it, it would, it would just obviously have different symptoms. It would just obviously play out differently. So if there is some underlying natural traits that play into having a midlife crisis, it definitely should not be something that we, um, that we should ignore. So all those thoughts, all those many panic buttons that you hit along the way. Um, those are, those have probably forever been common or natural. And it's probably also been more common for us to just ignore them like most people. Right. 
but we have the ability to to do a to do a deep dive on them as as they as they each come up or as they all come up and if we ignore or if we play to our natural tendency to ignore those things um yeah then 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 i think you 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 only have one path and that is that is the path to some sort of crisis later on in your life mm-hmm. <clears throat> but now do you think that you can curb the effects of a midlife crisis or what do you think about about that about what you're doing and having i guess the awareness that that you seem to have since we've been talking about this for the past hour right the 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 awareness again is one thing like like we've discussed but again it's what you do with with that awareness that is just as important for me personally i uh i don't think i'm <laughs> super at risk i suppose for for something low, low risk yeah yeah. I'm, yeah average maybe i i'd say below average risk for sure and and yeah maybe I think definitely part of it is because of these conversations that we have and have had over the, over the course. But I, you know, I have a decent paying job and it's, it's, it's in a career where like I'm, I'm relatively good at and, but it's not something I'm necessarily passionate about either. But I've also never been a person who overemphasizes my career or my job in terms of what that means for me as a status symbol to either myself or to other people. Mm-hmm. So like I, 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 I prefer and like to have a, a decent job that, you know, pays the bills and, and a little more, but I don't rest my ego on that or I don't rest my, you know, I don't, that's not a, that's not a feather in my cap metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so not giving away, too much detail but your career might take a more corporate turn in the next few months or years i guess it's unknown if ever do you think that that would affect your 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 risks of of, uh of a midlife crisis Hmm. remains to be seen but uh, you know i think it, it at least has the potential to yes so there, there's going to come a point in mine and really any person's career where that, 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 that same realization kind of bubbles up and you, 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 it feels like you don't, but you do have a choice with what you do or where, where when you come to that metaphorical fork in the road, you know, what you do at that, at that point. And some things obviously in your environment happen to you. You can't dictate everything that goes on, right? Some things happen to you, but it's that cliche. It's like, you know, you, your, your mindset or your, your, um, how you feel about something and, and your mental state of being is 10% what happens to you and 90% or whatever, how you react to it. And whether or not those numbers are, <laughs> accurate or not i'm not sure but but i think the concept applies and it's very true things will happen to you it it does matter how you react to those things and how you go about it so so i guess to answer your question i 
tell myself no, because I, if I do come to that fork in the road where I'm like, okay, things are definitely not getting any better. So I need to make a choice and it's going to be, it's going to be a, it's a weird, it's going to be a weird moment in time if, if it does come, cause you're going to be probably weighing a lot of short term benefits potentially with some of the tangible stuff, you know, maybe, maybe there's a pay increase or maybe benefits get better, all this type of stuff, right. Mm. Versus the long term effects and benefits of, okay, well, if I do that and I stay here for 10, 15 more years, what will I Will I feel great about that? Will I have missed out on something? Will I not be in the position that I, that I want to? All, all those type of things will come up. And if someone doesn't, if more people don't make that correct ch- choice, and it's, I mean, I hate to say it that way because it's, how the fuck can you know in the moment? You know, how can you know? Mm-hmm. always what decision you make now will 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 play out in 10 15 years whatever it's just it's, you can't predict the future right but um analyzing that those decisions with with this sort of awareness that we've talked about where having the short term view as well as the long term view of things i think more times than not you'll make enough decisions to where the end result sort of keeps you on a balanced road hopefully Whereas if you're always just on the short-term view of things and all just wondering, okay, what's next? All right, I got the I got the college degree. Okay, now now a job. Okay, yeah, whatever, I got that. Uh, shit. All right, uh, now I got to buy a house. You, you just go through the motions, basically, and not really, really analyze how things uh, might turn out in the future. Then, then yeah, you might end up somewhere where you don't want to be. Right. So yeah. that might have been a roundabout answer or a long-winded answer, rather. But I, I. I I don't think it will have that great of effect because if if something happens that I interpret as being negative, I feel relatively confident in myself in saying that I wouldn't allow that to, I wouldn't stick around for that for long, basically. Right. And so the, so the last couple of things that, that I was thinking about when you, when you were saying that, that we can maybe close on is that do you remember those commercials a few years ago with uh, like direct TV commercials with Rob Lowe and it was like the peaked in high school Rob Lowe or like uh, I do yes the peaked in yeah. high school one I thought it was a brutal one peaked in high school right because that was basically that stereotype was a guy who in high school was like I don't know captain of the football team he was like maybe an honor student but then after high school he just didn't didn't really do much. He just kind of did the, uh, like the regular shit. It's like the Letterman jacket guy I have in my head. Yes, you know, it's like the star football guy. Like he was like the shit in high school. Right. But then after high school, he was just a dude. Yeah. yeah. For, and for the rest of his life, he was just a dude. And so he peaked in high school, <laughs> and I'm like, God damn, that sucks. But what I think one reason why also the midlife crisis comes about is because following that path, college, career family, house, everything, it sets you up. If you do it right, you peak basically by like fucking age 25, 26. By 22, you're out of college, 22, 23. A lot of people get married within months of college or college ending or a year or two. A couple of checkboxes. Let's call call it by 30 because 30 has this weird, in and of itself, this weird stigma where it's like people start to freak out if they're not 
in a committed long-term relationship by 30, you know? Right. So, okay. So by 30, yeah, yeah, so okay. by 30, most people who, who follow that path probably have most, if not all those check boxes, yep. even the kids too. Sure, sure. So that leaves you because you by by today's standards you're still very young by by thirty. I mean, people are living fucking way too long these days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, people people are definitely living longer because medical advances or whatever, whatever the reason is, people are, are definitely living longer. So thirty is definitely very young still. So that leaves you at age thirty. You have everything that you're supposed to have for the next pot- potentially fifty years or so however long you you end up living you're supposed to either sustain that uh not fuck that up at all or keep kicking ass but uh it, it puts you in a tough spot to be at 30 to do everything you're supposed to do and you're like okay well uh, i have to now just play defense now huh all right yeah all right get the walls going get the walls up ahead don't let anybody come in it puts you in kind of like this defensive mode which is kind of like this anxious mode and it just sets you up for this this thing later on because you you essentially peak too early you you work just a few years and then you have everything you're supposed to have like that doesn't even seem right no it doesn't it doesn't so you and i are both on the the other side of 30 right and I I have I have some friends who, who I who fell into this, I guess trap or category, and I myself even to an extent you could you could argue fell into this. You know I I got the degree, um, I met my wife in college basically, and we were we we got married before I was thirty. I think she was yeah before she was thirty two, um, and then we had a kid before one of us was 30. So all these things happen, like for me, for example, um, but, but along the way, I don't, I don't, it, it's tough to say, it's, it's really hard to sometimes analyze yourself, you know, from like a third person perspective. So but, you having all that, what is your next milestone at this point? Well, that's, that's kind of what I was getting at. I was like, when you, when you sit down and think about it, it's like, okay, looking at my looking at my list of to do right and by by modern society standards most of them are checked off i got one maybe at the very bottom of the list last one where it's retirement right and that's kind of like that's my you next to do fuck that up right exactly a few decades right. away <laughs> but, but that's the problem there, there is nothing in between have a family basically and retirement which is some from most people you know 30 plus years away um and, 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 and I think if you, I think for me, I, I didn't even, I, I didn't put too much like emphasis in a sense of, I didn't have a metaphorical or otherwise checkbox of doing those things that I did, you know? Um, maybe I, I would say getting the college degree was probably the exception. Like I felt like I had to do that. You know, it was just, it was ingrained in me. It was second nature. I didn't think twice about it, you know, but, but, but everything else, um, getting married and, and, and having a kid, there was, in my opinion, an exorbitant amount of thought that that went into those things um, to where it wasn't something that I just did. 
So I didn't necessarily treat them like milestones in the traditional sense where if it was like a checkbox, right? And I think in a, in a weird way, it, it sounds weird, but putting less emphasis on milestones, I think is, is kind of where maybe people should put the focus on is these things that happen in your life. In one hand, they're obviously, I'm not trying to take away the significance of them or anything, but if you don't put the milestone label on, on, on this type of stuff, I think it reduces your, your anxiety perhaps about future milestones or future goals, what's going to happen to you. You know, I chose, I chose to do, you know, do the, do the um, marriage and kids thing. But I think for us specifically, um, there, there is a, <laughs> it sounds cheesy and, and kind of corny, but there is, there is a lot of like, not worrying too much or thinking about what the next thing is. It's just living and being and, and like enjoying the, the, the small little, little things along the way, you know, and then placing a greater emphasis on that as opposed to the next, what's next. Like, Oh, I have an anxiety about what's to come kind of a thing. And, and it's hard to, I guess, otherwise quantify that, but simply put, I mean, on a very basic level, the more present moment awareness that, that you can have, um, probably lends to less anxiety or less worry about the future or about the realization that so much of your life has already passed you by because you will look back and say, well, along the way, I really had a great fucking time. You know, it was really fun. It was really good and or whatever. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, I think, yeah. So even if you are on on the, the path or a path adjacent, maybe it's not quite the path, but it's something similar to it, it's not uh, like a given that you are on your way to, to a midlife crisis, but... I mean, I guess that that does put you more at risk, but having that general awareness of things, because again, it's, it, it comes back to meditation. That's what meditation makes you practice is awareness. There's no trick to it. There's no like magic uh, thing you got to do in your mind. It's really just practicing awareness. Um, the awareness of, am I currently happy with my life choices with what I currently have? And obviously, being honest with yourself because people lie to themselves all the time. Go, like, oh, yeah, I'm happy. Like when you at, like when you at a party, you ask people about their jobs. Everybody fucking loves their job. You notice that? So what do you do for work, right? Yeah, no one's ever like fucking job, man. Hate it. No, you never hear that, but you know that's probably the case in most in most of the time. But everybody's like, oh yeah, you know, I like my job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're like, these people are lying to not just me, but themselves. themselves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And. You just have to be basically like a savage with yourself. You have to be brutally honest. And because if you, it, it is possible to bullshit yourself. Oh, you can't lie to yourself. Actually, you can. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? That's uh, the easiest person in the life. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> uh, you're so fucking gullible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it, it, it's super important to be brutally honest with yourself and, yeah. and just and make, and make painful changes if need be. But, and those are the things making those those hard choices occasionally is one way of potentially curving the effects of a midlife crisis but you can't do any of that if you don't have the awareness 
of yourself, which is obviously that sounds cheesy, but how else do you phrase something like that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so those those many those many crises along the path along the road, I think, are ironically uh, important in order yeah. for a person to not uh, just like I said, you know, go off the deep end. So everybody's scheduling a panic attack next week. Yep, yep, do it, yep. do it. <laughs> analyze, baby, self-analyze. Yes. Yeah. So, all right, guys, I think that'll do it for us uh, this time around. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll talk to you later.